Our passage this morning is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is God's word. Amen. Well, good morning. Great to be here with you all. If you are new this morning, my name is Ben Panner. I'm the high school pastor here at College Church, so it's great to study God's Word. We're continuing our series, Unashamed of Jesus, going through 2 Timothy. And like Tommy said, we are starting in chapter 2. So as I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded of the time when I lived in Arizona, and my dad for the first time, kind of taught me how to do work. And the work that he instructed me to do was yard work. Yard work. Now, in Arizona, we didn't have a lawn, but we did have weeds. So my dad, one morning, brought me out, tossed me some gloves, sat me down, and as a young boy, he taught me how to pull weeds. He said, you got to get down to the roots. If you need, use a shovel, dig down deep, Make sure you get the roots. You might think you got the weeds, but if you didn't get the roots, they're just going to grow back. And he was right. I needed to put those instructions into practice in my yard work. Or thinking about my, my first job at Target. And at Target, I remember they instructed me, here is what you need to do. Take this basket of returns, scan the item, figure out what aisle it goes to, place it back in the aisle, clean up your aisle. If you get a code red... It means you sprint up to the front and take care of that cash register during a busy hour. Those were the instructions. Those were what I was told to do. Now, what was the first work that you were involved in? Think of the parent. Think of the the boss who instructed you on how to do your work, on the things that you needed to know and what you needed to do. Each job has certain instructions Each line of work, there are certain things that need to get done. Well, no matter what vocation we have in this room, what work we do, there is a certain lifelong work that we must give ourselves to. Gospel work. Gospel ministry. Whether it's the the workout class, or the three people who sit next to you at work, or the family that you come home to each and every day, Maybe it's the ministry that you serve with, the children you teach, or the neighbors that you're interacting with daily. Each day there's opportunity for gospel ministry and gospel work. And Paul, in our passage today, he gives instructions for this work, for this endeavor of gospel ministry. He helps frame our understanding about what we need to give ourselves to 
and the instructions on how to do it. But before we dive in, I want you to look with me at verse 7. I'm going to read that out. Verse 7. It says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Well, at the end of this section here, Paul tells Timothy, I want you to think deeply about what I've said. I want you to meditate on it. I want it to sit upon you, and I want you to think about how you can apply this into your life. Timothy's called to evaluate his own gospel work, gospel ministry, to think about the instructions that Paul has given him, and then make sure that that is the right practice that he is putting into play in his own life. And my prayer this morning, and that we all need to be thinking about, is that we would think deeply about what God's word is saying. And I pray that God would give us understanding about what he's calling for us in our gospel work, in our gospel ministry, each and every day. So with that in mind, let's just open in a word of prayer, asking for God's understanding as we study his word this morning. Father in heaven, we do pray to you knowing that you have given us your word to teach us, to instruct us, to lead us to Christ's salvation. We pray that you would help us to understand it, that this morning we would think deeply about it, that we might leave this morning through these doors wanting to apply and put in these gospel instructions for gospel ministry. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the three instructions for gospel ministry that we're going to look at that Paul gives to Timothy are gospel workers are empowered by Christ. Second thing, gospel workers entrust gospel teaching. And lastly, gospel workers embrace suffering. Now, the tone of our passage is highlighted by the first two phrases. Look with me in verse one. The first two phrases are, you then, my child. Now, this is coming after... Paul's description of the good examples and the bad examples. We looked at that last week with Pastor Nielsen. The bad examples of those in Asia who have turned away from Paul and the gospel and turned away from Christ in their service and work. But then we have the example of Onesiphorus, who continued to serve Christ, continued to serve Paul, and continued in his work and ministry. And even Paul himself serves as an example who is not ashamed of Christ, but continues on in his ministry. Paul then turns to Timothy and says, you then, you then, knowing that people have turned away from this service and this work, he says, you continue on, Timothy. He's charging and instructing Timothy yet again, continue and press on just like one is Continue and press on in your ministry, just like Paul. And it's coupled with, again, the deep care and love of Paul for Timothy. He says, my child, you then, my child. It's a father's instructions to his son for gospel ministry and gospel work. So first, gospel workers are empowered by Christ. Verse 1. It says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, one of the questions Timothy needed to wrestle with, and we need to think about and wrestle with ourselves, is whose strength do I rely on in gospel ministry? Whose strength do I rely on in gospel ministry? Well, many businesses, teams, staffs, organizations, and corporations, they've used a book called Strengths Finders. 
And maybe some of you in this room have used that. I've used it myself and found it very helpful. Now, what this book does is it helps you understand your giftedness. It helps you understand your your strengths so that you can put those into play. So you take a test, you answer questions, and then what comes up are kind of your top five strengths. And then there's a book that you can read about how to maximize those strengths. You read about situations that you put yourself in that can maximize and be more efficient in using your strengths and your giftedness. Maybe even situations to avoid. It helps you understand how to work with certain people. And the idea is that when a group knows their strengths and how they work, they can work more efficiently and more effectively. Now I wonder how often that mentality drives our gospel work. Now again, I believe strengths finders is a good thing and a helpful thing. But what is our top strength in ministry? I believe our tendency is to, to look inside first. We look to ourselves for the strength to persevere. We look to our gifts for our effectiveness in ministry. When a problem arises, how can I fix it? Our tendency is to look inside for strength in ministry. But our need is to look outside, to look outside of ourselves. And Paul directs us to that. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. This is what strengthens us. Verse 1. God's grace is continually active. Now, whether we think about it or not, sometimes we might just think about grace strictly in terms of salvation. And that's true. God's grace saves us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. But grace is also a present reality daily for us. It's not just a past action, but it is a daily empowering through Christ. Grace saves us, but it also strengthens us for gospel work. The grace that is in Christ is the amazing grace that we do not deserve at all. But he gives it to us for our salvation, but for our strengthening and empowerment for the ministry and the task at hand that we have each and every day. So for many in here who do have a regular daily gospel work and ministry in their families, in their jobs, wherever that might be, who are feeling burdened by the weight of that, Verse 1 says, you are strengthened by the grace of Christ Jesus for that task. You're not on your own strength, but through the grace of Christ Jesus. Now what this doesn't mean is that we are lame ducks who don't use our giftedness and don't do anything. No, Paul even recognizes the necessary thing of gifts. He says, Timothy, you have been gifted by God for your work. We look back at chapter 1, verse 6. He says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift. Timothy is gifted, but it's the gift of God. God has given him this gift for the glory of God, and it's strengthened by God. So it's from God, it's for God, and it's strengthened by him. So our giftedness is to be used in the strength and the empowerment of of Christ. The truth is that our effectiveness, our fruit, the long-lasting ministry that we're called to, 
It only happens, it only continues through the grace and through the strength that Christ gives us. And Paul knows that. Paul knows that the road is not going to be easy, that it is a difficult task to daily be giving yourself to gospel ministry. And the reality is our strength will fail. But God's strength through Christ and his grace will continue on. That is what we need. Christ himself even says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So again, we ask ourselves, what is our greatest strength in ministry? What is it that we rely on in ministry? Is it ourselves? Is it our giftedness? Or is it the grace of Jesus Christ that empowers us for service and work for him? Verse 1, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, gospel workers are empowered by Christ. And he continues on, Paul does, to give us a second instruction telling us that gospel workers are to entrust gospel teaching to others. So ask anyone doing a P90X workout or Pilates or somebody who works out regularly, what's the thing that you are supposed to work out probably the most? What's your core, right? It's your core. It's not just your abs, but it's your abs, your back, your legs, the core. Why? Because your core is connected to so much of your body. The core helps you have balance. The core gives you strength for the rest of your body. But what do we tend to focus on sometimes in a workout, right? Curls, right? Guys, curls for the girls. Is that what, you know? (laughs) We tend to get away from the core in our workout. Well, in the same way, in our gospel work, we need to focus on the core. We need to focus on the core. That needs to be what is driving our gospel work and our ministry and what we are doing. So what is the core? The core is gospel teaching. Gospel teaching. We're reminded of this from chapter 1. Paul himself has given his entire life and devoted himself to the endeavor of proclaiming the word of God so that others may have life. And he tells Timothy to fan in this flame, this gift that God has given you, this same endeavor of word proclamation, gospel teaching. It's to be the center and priority of everything he does. And we're to follow that same example in that our lives, our ministry, our work is to be driven and guided and centered upon gospel teaching. And last week, we also heard that this is to be guarded. Pastor Nielsen talked about how we are to guard it. We are to protect it. We are to keep it. And so if it's something of highest priority that we are to guard, that we are to to teach, it's supposed to, as Paul says in our passage, to pass it on, to entrust it to others. Look at what he says in verse 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Paul to Timothy to faithful men to others. He continues to pass it on and entrust it to other people. Well, what do we mean, though, by gospel teaching? Is it just a simple summary of the gospel? Well, it's teaching the Bible that reveals the gospel and the implications of the gospel for our lives. That is gospel teaching and this needs to be the priority and the core of what we do and Paul says this needs to be passed on 
Listen to what Pastor Mark Devers says about this section. He says, Paul is simply teaching Timothy what the Great Commission means in his life. For ourselves, then, we should ask whether we are involved in teaching others who will then be able to teach still others. Those of us who are pastors like Timothy should be directly involved in training future ministers. Non-pastors should be busy discipling, evangelizing, attending Bible studies, leading Bible studies, studying the gospel, and encouraging others to know it well. For the church, this means placing a clear priority on supporting the teaching ministry. There is a call to pastors to be training other pastors, to be passing on and entrusting the gospel to other pastors and and elders. But there's also a call to us as a church toward gospel ministry, towards gospel teaching in our own work, in our own lives. I have a friend who meets regularly with three high school students to study God's word, to pass on the gospel and gospel teaching to the next generation. He also meets with his peers in a small group to study the Bible, to encourage one another in the gospel so that he can know and understand it better. And he had a cookout for his three co-workers who don't know Christ in hopes that there will come a time where he can share the gospel with them, passing on the gospel, entrusting the gospel. Well, if the gospel is the core of our work and service to Christ, it is to be entrusted. And it may seem like a weighty task, and it is. And it may seem difficult, and it is, but Christ empowers us by his grace for the task. But we're not only empowered by Christ's strength to entrust gospel teaching to others, we're empowered by Christ's strength to embrace suffering. So our third instruction from Paul is gospel workers embrace suffering. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul is telling Timothy, join in with me in suffering. Join arms with me in suffering. Don't resist it. Join. Share. Now, it seems a little contradictory, doesn't it? But how are we to think about suffering? Well, let's think of it as hardship relationally, financially, physically, vocationally, that's due to your direct connection and your proclamation of Jesus Christ. We heard last week of the social awkwardness or the relational tension that might happen if we're sharing the gospel with other people and the relational suffering there. Or what about being bashed as intolerant at your work because you're standing up for Christ and you're speaking about Christ? Or maybe in your extended family because you know Jesus You're living for Jesus. There is now relational tension there with your aunts, with your uncles, with your cousins because of that. Well, our whole series is based on being unashamed of Jesus. So much so that Christ oozes out of our lives and out of our words. And we believe that the gospel and Christ, to those who receive him, receive life. But what's the reality? The reality is that not everyone will 
receive Jesus. And as a result of that, we may be pushed to the fringe. We may endure hardship or suffering as a result of that. So what happens when living for Christ means family chooses to maybe not interact with us as much anymore? Or there is social awkwardness because I've just shared the gospel. Well, share in this suffering, Paul says, but it's not in vain. There's a purpose to it. There's an attitude for it. There's an end goal for it. So Paul's instruction is embrace suffering, but we need to embrace suffering with a purpose. What is that purpose? Look with me to chapter 1, verses 10 and 12 through 12. When talking about the grace of God, he says, in which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I am appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Paul is a pastor, is a teacher proclaiming the gospel and is suffering as a result of that. But why? Because he knows this message is the message of salvation for those who receive it. And that is why he goes through his suffering. He says, share in the suffering because there is a purpose in that through that, some might come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. There's a purpose. But our text today also shows us that embracing suffering, there comes a certain attitude with that. And he uses three illustrations, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. So first, the soldier in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 2. He says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Well, I was looking up and researching a little bit about our nation's army. And I looked at their website and listened to what they, they wrote about a description of a soldier who joins and wants to join the army. It says, the U.S. Army is made up of the best-trained, most dedicated soldiers in the world. As a soldier, you will be prepared to serve our country whenever and wherever you are needed, combat-ready at all times, trained to counter any threat anywhere. Think about the dedication, the devotion, the discipline of a soldier, ready at all times, A soldier is always on call with a single focus on the mission that is at hand. And our text tells us that they do not get entangled in civilian pursuits, meaning they don't let anything hinder them from the mission of their commanding officer. They're focused. They're devoted to that. There's a single-minded devotion of a soldier. Well, in our lives, sin and worldly pursuits are continually tempting us away from the mission of Jesus in the gospel. In the context of family, friends, work, social life, what are the things that might take you off the mission of the gospel in those very contexts? We must have a single-minded devotion to God, our master and our king and his mission. What sin or worldly pursuits are sidetracking you from the work of Christ? 
Nothing should distract us or hinder us from our devotion to God. So from that, we move from the soldier to an athlete. Verse 5, read with me. It says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, ancient athletes competing in the Olympic Games had to come before they would compete, and they would give an oath. They would swear that they had trained for 10 months prior to them competing. And not only that, in their competition, they had had to abide and obey to the rules of the game. Otherwise, they would not win the prize. I'm taken back to my time playing basketball and my coach continually harping on us, touch every line. You don't touch the line, you're running again and again and again until you touch every line. And when we played the game, we had to abide by the rules. We were to be faithful to that. And we were drilled that each and every day. Now think about our lives. Training ourselves for righteousness and godliness. Continuing that. Giving ourselves to that. But also being disciplined in our obedience to God and his word. A spiritual sweat in our lives. As Pastor Kent Hughes says. Well, this disciplined obedience is built on the foundation of God's grace. Again, that saves us, but also strengthens us for this task. So we have to ask ourselves, are we disciplining ourselves for obedience to God? Are we disciplining ourselves for training in righteousness and godliness in our lives? Well, the third example and illustration that he gives us is a farmer. So a friend of mine is a rancher out in Texas And he was telling me about the work that he has to do in baling the hay, cutting the yards, raising these cattle. And he says it's upwards of sometimes 80 to 90 hours a week of work regularly, early mornings, late nights, hot summer, Texas heat, all the time. But verse 6, look at what the farmer does. It's the hardworking farmer. The, The farmer is not lazy but hard working the farmer perseveres as well he doesn't know what the weather's going to do he doesn't know what's going to happen to his crops but he perseveres through that as a hard worker not lazy so do we want to put in in our lives in our gospel work the hard work the time sacrificing certain things for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Christ like a farmer who perseveres and who daily toils. But again, this is not in vain. We embrace suffering with the end in mind. Think of all three of these illustrations and examples. They all have a reward at the end. We have the soldier whose aim is to please his commanding officer, the one who enlisted him. And in his single-minded devotion, he pleases his commanding officer. The athlete whose discipline and obedience to the rules receives the crown, the prize, and the farmer receives the first share of his crops. Now the gospel worker who embraces suffering and endures through in Christ's strength, there is eternal reward in heaven. The fruit of gospel work is that those who receive the gospel through our ministry, they receive life. What a motivation that is, is to think that there is a reward. There there are those who receive the gospel through your ministry, they receive life. 
But there's also eternal life for us if we believe in Christ. And that is the reward that we will be with him for eternity. But lastly, as we think about suffering, embrace it with Christ in mind. Christ himself, who came and endured the cross, suffered despising the shame of the cross for us so that we might have life through him. Christ was utterly obedient, even to the point of death, so that we could have life in him. Our gospel ministry is wrapped up completely in who Christ is and what Christ has done. Think about it. It is the grace of Jesus Christ that strengthens us. It is the grace of Christ that empowers us for our daily task of gospel ministry and gospel work. It is this Jesus Christ who is the center of the gospel that we are to teach and to pass on and entrust to others. And it is this Jesus Christ who models and empowers us to suffer and embrace suffering. He suffered for us. Now we see the instructions for gospel workers in gospel ministry are empowered by Jesus. But we move to verse 7 where he says again, Think about what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul challenges Timothy, think over everything I've told you. Think over these illustrations. Think over your gospel work and your ministry. Evaluate that. And I want you to see how you can put this into practice in your own life. And the Lord will give you understanding in it all. So for us, as we leave these doors today, we need ourselves to think deeply about our own gospel work in our own lives. We need to think deeply about whose strength we are ministering in and working in each day. Are we trusting and relying on our own strength and abilities or on the grace that comes from Jesus Christ? We need to think about what is driving and what is the core of our gospel work. Is it something other than gospel teaching? Are we entrusting and passing on this message to others in our lives? And lastly, are we willing to embrace suffering in the strength of Jesus Christ? Now it takes the attitude of a single-minded soldier and a disciplined athlete and a hard-working farmer. And I do pray that God gives us understanding in all of these things that we think about our own ministry and we put it into practice in our own lives, knowing that Christ empowers gospel workers for his work. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have given us your word. We thank you for it. We love you. We pray that we would leave these doors thinking about the gospel, thinking about what you have instructed us in this passage here, God, and that we would live our lives on a mission for you in your strength, not our own. In Christ's name we pray, amen.